I want to continue this weekend on the subject of the apocalypse, and this weekend we're going to look at the person of the Antichrist, and it might surprise you to know that the Bible has so much to say about this person. In fact, so much detail is given about the Antichrist, it's almost as though the Father is saying to us, I don't want you to mistake, have a mistaken identity of who he is. When he comes, when he appears on the world's scene, I want you to know exactly who he is. Now, truth uh, must be carefully concealed in such a way that the world will not know his identity, but we will. I believe that when he appears on the world scene, we will recognize him, right? But it's like a parable. You know, a parable hides truth, but it also reveals truth according to the condition of your heart. And to the world, it will not be obvious. They, they will see him as the Messiah. They will see him as the Savior, as the, as the miracle uh, peace worker, but we will know who he is, all right? And because, you know, Christians don't read their Bibles carefully, uh, we often fall into error and, and because uh, believe in all these conspiracy theories. So I want to make it clear for you today. All right, my text is 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verses 3 to 4. And the Apostle Paul said, Let no one deceive you by any means, for the day of the Lord will not come unless there's a falling away first. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God and all that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Now, the day that Paul is referring to here is what we call the day of the Lord. And the day of the Lord is often associated with the upheaval and great judgment that is, uh, that is uh, associated with the coming of the Messiah, right? The Jewish Messiah. And in Acts chapter 17, of course, you know, Paul first visits the city of Thessalonica. And for three Sabbaths, he's with the church there. And he teaches the church. And one of the subjects that he teaches is the second coming of Jesus Christ. And of course, you know, that was... And then several months later, he wrote his first epistle to them. Now, what Paul did not do was he did not fully explain the second coming, and it resulted in a lazy attitude uh, amongst the people, all right? Many of them stopped working, and they just twiddled their thumbs to wait for the return of the Messiah, and that was not the outcome that Paul was hoping for. So Paul writes a second epistle to correct uh, some of the misconceptions about the day of the Lord. And he says that the day of the Lord will not happen unless two things happen first. Number one, the first thing that must happen is that there'll be a great falling away. Now, the word falling away in the Greek is the word apostasia, where we get the word apostasy. And apostasy is the, is the rejection of all the biblical standards. It's going to happen not just in the world. The world already has rejected biblical standards. It's going to happen in the church. And when we see that happening, we will realize that, there, there is, that the falling away has begun. Right? It's really important for us to, to understand. But it's more than that. It's also the public rejection and the renunciation of Christ as Lord and Messiah. And before Jesus returns, we're going to see a massive a falling away. I think we're already seeing this happening. Moral standards globally are, are systematically being eroded. And it's not just in the world, like I said. It's in the church, man. It's in the church. And the hearts of many Christians are growing cold because of lawlessness. But over the past few years, we've had very high-profile public figures openly renouncing their faith in Jesus Christ and the one that died for them. And of course, this is apostasy. And we well-known author Joshua Harris, who wrote the book, I Kiss Dating Goodbye, which was a phenomenal bestseller, publicly renounced his faith in Christ, uh, as did Marty Simpson, who was the former worship leader of Hillsong, uh, Lincoln Red, who are YouTube personalities, the Christian band under oath, Michael Gongor, uh, Bart Compolo, who is the son of Tony Compolo, and many others. And what is uh, shocking is the public nature 
in which they renounce their faith. Right? We're going to see this more and more happening. The second thing that must happen is that the man of sin must be first revealed. Now, there are three men in the Bible that gives us an insight to the person of the Antichrist, and they are, uh, the, these three men are the closest to the Lord, John, the beloved, the Apostle Paul, and the prophet Daniel. All right? And it's interesting that when a man is speaking of his enemies, he is very careful with whom he shares it with. All right? And these three men are men that, he, of course, he trusts. Right? Now, the Antichrist is called by several names in the Bible. Uh, the Apostle John calls him the Antichrist, and only John does that. Uh, Paul calls him the man of sin. Paul calls him the lawless one. Uh, the prophet Daniel calls him the little horn. And in the book of Revelation, he's the beast with ten horns uh, uh, and seven heads. All right? Now, people have foolishly made the error of trying to identify the Antichrist. At one time, I remember when I was much younger, uh, everyone thought that Gorbachev was the Antichrist because he had this unusual birthmark on his, on his forehead. Right? Uh, others speculated that it was Henry Kissinger and then it was this president, that president, and you know, and uh, they've all been proven wrong. They've all been proven wrong, right? And the answer to that is very simple, right? It's when the Antichrist does appear on the world scene, he is going to mesmerize, he's going to sweep everybody off his feet the whole world will run after him, right? And all those whose names are not written in the book of life, they will marvel. I tell you this, they will marvel at the Antichrist. I remember when Barack Obama was elected as the US president. And I recall watching the TV and it was the euphoria, the, the frenzy and the his, his hysteria that was associated. I'd never seen anything like that. I mean, people just went crazy over his uh, inauguration and they literally worshipped him like a cult hero. And during the interview, which I watched on TV, a, a lady was saying, he is not just the saviour of America, he's also the saviour of the world. He's going to save the rest of the world. And he was compared with the Messiah and the people just went Google gaga over him. All right? But when the, when the Antichrist <coughs> appears on the world scene, can you imagine the frenzy, the euphoria that will happen, right? He will be the most charismatic, most magnetic personality alive, and he will come to broker a peace treaty that will last for seven years and bring about a false peace, a calm before the storm, all right? He will be so persuasive, so desirable, that the whole world will be deceived by him, except for a small group of people called the elect. Hallelujah. In 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 4, uh, it says that we, we, we see that he seeks to sit in the place of God to usurp God from his rightful place, right? There's nothing that the devil wants more than worship. He's sought after it since the Garden of Eden. He is after worship, all right? Now, what does that mean, right? It means that the temple in Jerusalem must be rebuilt. Now, can you just for a few moments imagine the turmoil in the world, not just in the Middle East, if Israel constructs the temple on the current Temple Mount, which is where a mosque actually now sits. Can you just imagine? I'm going to visit this again because this is an important sign for the last days. Watch for the Jewish temple to be rebuilt. Now, I mentioned uh, only John uses the word antichrist, which of course is the, the Greek word antichristos. Paul uses another term, a pseudo-christos, which means a false Christ, right? But John sees the world in black and white, right? John saw a very bipolar world. He, you're either in the kingdom or you're not in the kingdom. You're either for him or you're against him. You're either in truth or you're believing a lie or you're in error, okay? If you do not believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the anointed one, then you're a liar. If you do not believe that he is the son of God, then you have an antichrist influence over your life. That was 
John's worldview, all right? And there are three scriptures that he talked about concerning the Antichrist, and I just want to read them for you. The first is in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 18. He says, Little children, it is the last hour, and you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, but even now many Antichrists have come, by which you know it's the last hour. And you know, there have been several types of the Antichrist in history, men like Nero, Antiochus, Epiphanes, Adolf Hitler, Joseph Stalin, but they're just types, all right? But the Antichrist will be the personification of the devil himself. He will be the culmination of all these men, uh, the evil that was in this man, all right? And then uh, in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 22, who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is the Antichrist who denies the Father. I, I don't have to say more about this, except that if you deny the Father and the Son, you have an Antichrist influence over your life, all right? And finally, in 1 John chapter 4 and verses 2 and 3, uh, John says, By this you will know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. This is the spirit. This is the spirit of Antichrist which you heard was coming and now already is in the world. This is very significant, right? The early church, you know, had a battle with, with Gnosticism which denied that Jesus came in the flesh. So let me ask you a question. Do you believe that Jesus Christ came in the flesh? This is a yes or no question. An answer. Do you believe that Jesus Christ came in the flesh? If you don't believe, it means you don't have the Spirit of God, period. You know, sometimes when we have friends, we talk uh, with a person over the meal. Are you a Christian? Yes. The first question we ask, which church do you go to? Oh, yeah, I know that. You know, next time just ask them the question, do you believe that Jesus Christ came in the flesh? Because that is a good indicator of who they really are, all right? Now, religion will say Jesus is a good man. They will say he was a miracle worker, that he was a prophet, but they will not say he is the Son of God who was manifested in the flesh, right? And that word anti does not just mean against, it also means in place of. So John was warning the church about the spirit of Antichrist, and it's not just a spirit that's coming to speak against our Lord Jesus, it's a spirit that's coming to draw our attention away from him. When something subtly replaces Jesus Christ as the focus, watch it, all right? Now, I know that uh, you've got, there's a lot of sensationalism in the church today, so you just got to be careful about some of these things. Don't be caught up with slick communicators. Come on, I'm telling you this. I'm just, I appeal to you, all right? Don't be caught up with slick communicators. Uh, don't be caught up with, with falling feathers and gold dust and angels and gemstones and glowing orbs or whatever. Man, that's a danger sign if you are caught up with these things. It's not that God can't use these things, but when there's hardly a reference of Jesus in our meetings, man, Houston, we've got a problem. We've got a problem, right? Now, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 7, Paul says this, the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. It's already at work, and only he who restrains and will do so until... He's taken out of the way. There, is, there will be an increasing lawlessness in our society. If you have two eyes, just come on, open them, and just look around and see the, the, the lawlessness that's already in our, in our culture. It's exploding right now. I, I think America is a time bomb waiting to explode, right? Their only hope is a great third great awakening. Come on, amen. Uh, a mystery, of course, is a secret that is gradually unfolding and the word lawlessness, of course, it means uh, iniquity, which is a lifestyle or mindset without any boundaries, without any restraint. And I'll tell you this, it's very dangerous. When you see a society that's lost its restraint, lost its, its boundaries, man, that's a danger sign, right? And the only reason why the Antichrist has not yet been revealed at this time is because it's not his time. 
It's not His time. And Paul tells us there is a restraining force. And I believe that restraining force is the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit restrains Him from being manifested. But I tell you, the day will come when the number of Gentiles are fully fulfilled, that the Spirit of God, that the restraining force will be lifted from the earth. And that is when the Antichrist will be released. And there'll be no, can you imagine a world without any more restraint? And then the man of sin is going to be manifested and he will do whatever he wishes and whatever he likes and all hell is going to break loose. And I tell you this, my friends, it's not going to be good for people on the earth in those days. And 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verses 9 and 10. This is a significant passage, all right? Paul says, uh, the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs and lying wonders and with all the unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love for the truth that they might be saved. Now, when the Antichrist comes, he's coming with all the power, with all the signs and wonders of the devil. Satan is going to energize this man, all right? And again, I want you very carefully to be, not to be overly taken up by all these signs and wonders, all right? Satan is able to duplicate signs and wonders, and we must be careful not to run after them or be fascinated with these things, right? Now look at what the book of Revelation says about him. In uh, Revelation chapter 13 and verses 1 to 4, he says, Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up from the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his crown, on his horns ten crowns, right? He had a blasphemous name. Uh, the beast was like a leopard. His feet were uh, the feet of a bear. His mouth was the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded and his deadly wound was healed and all the world marveled and followed after the beast. Right? Now, John calls him the beast in Revelation and this is described as rising up from the sea. Of course, this is the Mediterranean Sea. And he has seven heads and ten horns and I'll come to this in a few moments, right? But we're going to try and identify him right now because I think that that's the whole gist of what I want to say, all right? Now, the Antichrist wants to have a title like our Lord Jesus. He wants to mimic everything Jesus does. You understand? Our Lord Jesus is referred four times in the book of Revelation, who is, who was, and is to come, right? That simply means he's, he, he's alive today. He was alive in history once, and he's coming back again. Come on, amen. He is the one who's alive forevermore, the Alpha and the Omega, Amen. But in Revelation chapter 17 and verses 7 and 8, we're told that the beast also has a title, and this is his title, was, is not, and ascends out of the bottomless pit. Let me just say this one more time. He was, is not, and will ascend out of the bottomless pit. In other words, the Antichrist was a man who lived in history. He was somebody who lived before in history. At the time of John's writing, he was not alive. He was in the bottomless pit. And then at the end of time, when the restraining force is removed, this Antichrist will be fully manifested. He will rise up from the bottomless pit where he is right now, as I'm speaking, incarcerated in that place. But he will be raised up in the last days and he will be manifested to this world. In other words, he will be brought back to life. All right? Now, we are told that the beast was like a leopard. Right? Now, if you read Scripture, you will understand that Scripture interprets Scripture. All right? And you need to go back, of course, to the book of Daniel to understand this, right? The leopard in the book of Daniel is the kingdom of Greece, right? Uh, and you know that the, the, 
the Grecian army was, was famous for its amazing lightning attacks and its army was extremely nimble. They had what was called the Planex. Uh, the Flanax, I don't know how you pronounce that. But it was an army formation uh, that moved amazingly swiftly, all right? Its feet were like the feet of a bear. And the bear is Persia, so he's someone who'd trample uh, upon Persia. And his mouth was like the mouth of a lion. And lion, the lion is Babylon. And of course, on the walls of the temple in Babylon were pictures of many lions with their wings. And, and so the beast spoke with the power of Babylon or spoke from Babylon, right? So in a nutshell, the Antichrist is of Greek descent who trampled upon Persia and had his power base in Babylon. He was an unconquered general. I mean, the people were saying, who can make war against the beast, right? Unconquered general. He was a blasphemous man. The Bible tells us, we read the scripture, he had a mouth that could speak. And in most likelihood, he was a homosexual, right? John, uh, the book of Daniel chapter 11 and verse 6 tells us that he will not have the natural use of women, all right? And he is an amazing orator, and he will seek to mimic, mimic the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there will be, according to the book of Revelation, an assassination attempt on his life, and he will be shot, he will die, but he will be raised again from the dead, from this mortal wound, and the whole world will marvel. This is a, like a reenactment of the resurrection, man. And that's how the world is going to be deceived. All right? They will all see him as the Christ. Now, I want to look uh, at two persons in history that I want to suggest to you we must be very careful of. Now, this is not conjecture. This has come with great study. All right? The first person is Alexander the Great. He died at the age of 33, the same age that our Lord died, in a drunken orgy, never lost a battle, he was a homosexual, of course, and he did not destroy Jerusalem. And then the second person that we need to watch is a man called Antiochus Epiphanes. Right? He was the one that Jesus referred to uh, when he spoke about the abomination of desolation in Matthew chapter 24. When, when Antiochus Epiphanes conquered Jerusalem in 167 BC, he offered a pig in the holy place, man, and desecrated the temple. Wow, this, this guy was the pits, man. And the scriptures tells us to be familiarized with the whole, with the reading of Daniel. It tells us that we should understand what uh, Daniel was writing about the abomination of, desol of desolation. And this man was from the Seleucid dynasty, but which was Hellenistic, which means that he's from Greek descent as well. And you know what Daniel calls him? The king of the north, the king of the north. He is actually called the king of the north, all right? That's interesting. In Revelation chapter 13 and verse 11, um, the, the, John the Revelator says, I saw another beast coming up from the earth and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. Now, you have the first beast, that's the Antichrist, okay? We know he's going to come. Paul says that he will appear uh, before the great uh, and terrible day of the Lord. But there is a second beast that's mentioned here. He comes out of the earth and he's called the false prophet. And his assignment is to energize the first beast, right? Now, this man will exercise all the authority of the Antichrist, and he will be endowed with supernatural power so that he can even make fire fall from heaven. Man, this is like Elijah's power, right? Uh, Elijah could call fire down from heaven. And, the, and an image in the last days, an image of the Antichrist will be erected and placed in the holy place, in the temple, and this false prophet will somehow be able to, to speak and give breath to the image so that the image will become alive and actually speak. Now, this is all in the Bible. 
the image will come alive and actually speak. So he has the power to make an inanimate object come alive. Now you think about that. You think about the deception that's going to happen. That it's, that it's sorcery at its, at its zenith, at its pinnacle. And he will force all of mankind to worship the image and anyone who refuses to will be killed. Right? You can find all this in the book of Revelation chapter 13. Now history repeats itself. This happened in the days of Nebuchadnezzar. He built this humongous statue, right? And made of gold and silver and all these things. And he said, anyone that does not bow down to this uh, statue will be cast into the fiery furnace. I will kill everyone who does not worship this statue. And of course, those three young Jewish boys, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, uh, took their stand. Amen. And I tell you this, there will be great martyrdom and great persecution in those days, right? Now, we come now to the mark of the beast. That's really important, right? We, have to, we talked about the Antichrist. We talked about the false prophet. I won't try and identify him, uh, but I also believe that he's somebody who lived in history and will be raised again uh, from the pit, all right? But in Revelation chapter 13 and verses 16 to 17, it says that he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand and on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except the one who has the mark or the name of the beast or his number of his name, all right? Now, the mark of the beast will be imprinted on the right hand or on the forehead, and it's an economic mark, right? Without it, you can't even buy a shoelace. And everyone will be forced to choose to take this mark on your forehead or on your right hand. Without this mark, you, you, you almost can't, you can't buy anything, right? Uh, and it says that he will make the rich and poor uh, take the mark, which simply means all the money in the world cannot save you either, okay? Now, three things are mentioned. A mark, a name, and a number. To buy and sell in those days, you must have the mark of the beast, or his name, or his number on your forehead or right hand. And the number is, of course, 666, right? And six is the number of man, and triple six is man at his zenith, all right? It's, it's the, 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 the manifestation of the fullness of, of the sin that is in man, all right? Now, here's the warning. You take the mark, and you will not see the insights of the kingdom of heaven. You take the mark. And you will not see the insights of the kingdom of heaven. You say, Pastor, how are we, can we be de delivered from doing something like that? You make sure you have the mark of God on your forehead. You make sure you have the mark of God in your life. Amen. Now, when will this mark appear? This 666, right? It will appear only after the temple in Jerusalem is rebuilt. Read the Bibles. Sometimes we, we, we come with silly conclusions because we don't read the Bible. I believe that the rebuilding of the temple will be the most significant prophetic sign of the last days. Can you imagine, like I said, the unprecedented tension it will precipitate, not just in the Middle East, but globally. It must happen. It must happen. So watch for it, right? And I believe the temple... Uh, the rebuilding of the temple will issue and usher in, sorry, the last and great feast of the tabernacles, which is a feast of, grand, of great harvest because only two times in the Bible is this feast mentioned in the Old Testament and it's both times it's in relationship with the rebuilding of the temple, all right? The Jewish temple in Jerusalem will be rebuilt and no government on earth can stop this from happening, all right? It's all in the Bible. I'm not speaking anything that is, uh, that is extra-biblical, right? It's all in the Word of God, okay? And some people, 
you know, have foolishly said that, you know, taking the COVID vaccine is the mark of the beast. People say that only because they're ignorant and because they don't read the Bible. Right? Stop listening to all these conspiracy theories. Please, I tell you this. The mark of the beast is an economic mark and will only happen after the temple is erected in Jerusalem. Right? So, come on, we must read our Bibles. Amen. Now, one more scripture. Revelation chapter 13 and verse 7. It says, It was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. Now, the Antichrist will persecute and kill Christians. Right? That's what he is out to do. Okay? And we must not use violence in response. Right? Some preachers in the U.S. have encouraged taking up arms and um, you know, uh, militia and fighting back uh, violently. And that is not our way. That is not our way. Jesus said, if my kingdom is of the earth, my disciples would fight. His kingdom is not of the earth. The use of violence is prohibited. If you live by the sword, you will die by the sword. That's not our way, my friends. That's not our way. Okay? He will overcome the saints. He will overcome the saints. And so it's, it's futile for us to think that we can form militia armies and, and fight back. It's futile. It's, that's uh, that's that, that the results when people don't read the Word of God and He will rule for a period of three and a half years and the world will be a totalitarian state, all right? Now, there's one more thing that I want to mention and it's the fact that when the Antichrist is going to be revealed, just before the Antichrist is revealed, there's something sinister at work right now, right now, and it started working in the days of the Apostle John and the Bible refers to, uh, to it as the spirit of Antichrist. The spirit of Antichrist. Now, we have the spirit of Christ in us, right? And just as the spirit of Christ is in us, the spirit of Antichrist is also amongst the sons of disobedience. And this spirit is sent to prepare the world for the coming of the lawless one, the son of perdition. Just as we have the spirit of Christ in us, there are people that are going to be literally possessed by the spirit of Antichrist. And it, the frightening thing is, it's not just in the world, it's in the church. And I'm going to prove this to you in a few moments, right? While we are slumbering, while the church is, is in, asleep in the light, the Antichrist spirit has been working over time and creeping into every stratum of society and preparing the whole world for his appearance. Now, when he does appear on the world scene, the world will be ready for him because they have been seduced, conditioned, and brainwashed. Listen, it's not just, he's not just going to deceive a few nations. He's going to deceive the whole world. The whole world. And one time a famous Christian businessman said to me here in Singapore, he said, Pastor Young, we are not going to allow that Antichrist spirit, that spirit, that Antichrist to come into our Singapore. <laughs> Gosh. Ooh, I don't know where people get that, uh, that arrogance. and It's just ignorance, man. Just ignorance. But the elect will recognize who he is and it will be very obvious to us, but not to the world. Not to the world, right? But Satan will try and deceive the very elect. We have that in Scripture as well. But let me just say that many in the church, many in the church will be deceived by the Antichrist and uh, those who are not the elect and they will run after him, right? Now, just before World War II, when Hitler rose to ascendancy in Germany in the 1930s, many Lutheran pastors thought that he was the savior of Germany. Many of them stood on their pulpits Sunday after Sunday preaching the gospel, preaching the gospel. They were also members of the Nazi party 
And they declared Hitler was the Messiah. Why? Because they were swept away by the deception and the euphoria. And Hitler virtually eliminated unemployment, poverty, and criminal activity. And he brought Germany, which was on the brink of bankruptcy, to become an economic powerhouse and put food on every table and gas in every automobile. And he was an economic miracle worker. And the most civilized nation in the world was swept away in great deception and murdered six million Jews in the process. Wow. The most enlightened, the most civilized nation in the world was the greatest deceived nation as well. And it will happen again, my friends. It will have the whole world will run after the beast. Now in Revelation chapter 13 and verse 1, in the second part of the scripture, it says that the beast had seven heads and ten horns, and on his, and on his horns ten crowns. Now what are these heads? Right? These seven heads represent the seven kingdoms that plague Israel and have been energized by Satan, right? I'll just mention them briefly for our study here today. The first is Egypt, then Assyria, Babylon, Persia, Greece. The sixth kingdom is Rome. And the seventh kingdom that is coming are the ten kings, right? Now, Revelation chapter 17 and verses 9 to 11 explains this, right? It says, here is a mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are the seven mountains. <laughs> you know, this is the only time in the Bible the seven mountains are mentioned. <laughs> has to do with the, with, the, with the false church. Right? Just be careful, man. You know, of this teaching of the seven mountains. I know that, you know, many of you, uh, you know, uh, are taken up by the whole thing. We must ascend to the mountains that we're in and, and dom dominate. And, uh, you know, I, I don't see that as, a, as, a, as the final scenario, as, a, as the end game of what is going to happen. I really don't. I, I, when Jesus returns to this earth, the earth will be at the breaking point. The earth will, uh, when Jesus actually returns the second time, the armies of the Antichrist will be in array to fight him, all right? To fight him. The whole world will be, under, will be a totalitarian state. This whole world. And so, my friends, I want you to understand the end game is, has been decided. We are not going to uh, redefine the end game. You can't do that. It's already written. You need to know what the Bible is saying. Hallelujah. And then it says there are also seven kings. Five had fallen, right? Of course, the five kings that have fallen are uh, uh, Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Persia, and Greece, right? And, and uh, one is, which is Rome, and the other has not yet come. This is the ten kings, right? And when he comes, he must continue. This is the Antichrist. For a short time, the beast that was is not, is himself of the eight, all right? So out of the ten kings will come one last kingdom, and uh, the it will be the Antichrist kingdom, right? And the peace, beast will be part of the seventh kingdom, but also uh, part of the eighth. Right? I know that some of these things are difficult to understand, but God will make it very clear to you. And finally, I want to look at the harlot. And, uh, and this is in Revelation chapter 17 and verses 6 to 7. I'm trying to cover all the bases here, and I know I can go much deeper into all these subjects, but I think this is suffice for now uh, to give us an understanding and maybe whet our appetites for more so that we can do our own self-study. I want to recommend, of course, Brother Bailey's book on the Revelation, where on the book of Revelations, where he explains it in, in far greater detail. In Revelation chapter 17 and verses 6 to 7, he says, I saw a woman, a woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of, of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. And the angel said to me, Why do you marvel? Why did you marvel? I'll tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her, which has seven heads and ten horns, right? So there's a, there's a 
collaboration between the woman, this harlot, and the beast, right? And then he explains this in verses 9. Here is the mind with wisdom. The seven heads are the seven mountains on which the woman sits. Right? This is the false church. Who is the woman that the beast sits on? And uh, Revelation chapter 17 and verse 18 gives us the answer. All right? The Bible interprets the Bible. The woman whom you saw is the great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. Right? Now, this woman is a city. All right? And at the time of John's writing, the Roman Empire was the one that dominated the earth. And Rome was the capital. So this woman that supports the beasts in the last days is the city of Rome. And Rome is geographically located upon seven hills on the east bank of the river Tiber. So the city of Rome will, I, I tell you this, come into great prominence in the last days. Just watch for it. Just watch for it, right? Now I have in, uh, mentioned in 1 John chapter 2, verses 18 that the Antichrist is coming and we know that. But even in the days of John, there were people that were filled with the Antichrist spirit and they manifested certain aspects of his nature. But the day will come when the Antichrist himself will be fully he will be manifested in the flesh, all right? And he will be the personification of evil. And I'm asking you, my friends, are you ready for the second coming of Jesus Christ? Are you ready? Are you preparing yourself now for the coming of the bridegroom? I want to ask you to pray with me right now because there are some people that are watching this right now and you know in your hearts that you're not ready. You know in your hearts that everything that I've described to you is to, has been re resonating in your heart. You know that you have the spirit of the world in you. You know that you love the things of the world more than you love the things of God. And you know that your heart is wantingly, wantingly, wantingly being drifted away from that which God is calling you to. And I'm telling you this day, you need to repent. You need to repent. You need to come to, uh, to, if you're not saved, you need to come to salvation. I, there are people watching this right now. You do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I'm asking you right now to bow your heads and to pray with me. And for those of you who are Christians and God is speaking to you about your state right now, and you know that if He appears tomorrow, you will not be ready. You will not see the insights of heaven. Your, your one prayer at salvation 25 years ago is not going to save you. Salvation has to affect every part of our being. It has to be a constant daily uh, experience in our lives. Come on, that's what Christianity, it's the relationship. It's getting to know Him and His ways and then being changed by His power, amen. Our nature has to change, amen. So I want to pray. Bow your heads with me. Would you, would you just, if you have never received the Lord Jesus Christ in your heart, if you have never known what it, it means to be born again, you say, Pastor, what does it mean to be born again? It means you're not saved, right? Because when you're born again, you know that you know. So would you just say the simple prayer after me? Lord Jesus, I humble myself before you. And I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. That I'm incapable of saving myself. But I, there is a savior of mankind. The Messiah of Israel. The one who came to die on, uh, for us on the cross. And I come to you, Lord Jesus, and acknowledge that you are Savior, that you are Lord. And I open my heart to you and ask you to come into my life. I ask you to forgive all my sins. I repent and I renounce this world. I renounce the flesh and I renounce the devil. And I ask you to come into my heart right now. In Jesus' name, amen. And Father, I pray for those who are watching right now, who are believers, they are part of the body of Christ. But Lord, they're living in a way, Lord, that 
that they know is not well-pleasing before you. And I pray before this meeting is over that they will get right with you right now in Jesus' name. If you are that person, in the name of the Lord Jesus, I pray that you will say to the Lord Jesus, will you forgive my sins? Will you forgive my lukewarmness? Will you forgive my uh, apathy? Will you forgive me for, for indifference in my life, Lord? And I draw near to you right now and I ask you, Lord Jesus, to wash me from all my sins. And I pledge again, again my allegiance and my loyalty to you. I pledge my fealty to you, Lord. And I will go after you with all my heart. And I will give my life to you afresh. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I pray. And everybody said, Amen. You've just listened to a production of Cornerstone Community Church. Please note that all unauthorized reproduction, distribution, or sale of the recording is prohibited. For permission to reproduce or distribute the sermon, please write into mail at cscc.org.sg. We hope that you have been blessed.